like, what can set me apart from the community down the road or, you know, a few miles outside of my area? So I, I do see a curiosity uptick on how can we do this and how can we do it good? Welcome to season six of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Connected Living, Hamilton Captel, Refera, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. The contributors are brought to you by Peak Senior Living and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. A great topic on today. We want to welcome Suzanne Allen. She's the managing partner at Blue Fingerprint. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And this is a topic that is actually very close to my heart. And to our listeners that are uh, frequent followers of the program, they know that uh, typically I don't really talk about my day job. Um, But my day job is centered around construction projects in seniors housing. And oftentimes they're very complicated. And I was really excited to dive into more of the details around what Blue Fingerprint actually is. And we're going to go into a number of those things, but it seems to be really centered around solutions regarding unit upgrades. And, oh my gosh, I've had this conversation more times than I can count with so many different operators around the country. And I'll tell you, this is a big problem area for a number of different reasons. And it has caused the industry, in my opinion, to kind of slide into bare minimums, standard, kind of like no frills, just keep it basic, keep it simple. But the challenge there is that the demographics are changing. Suzanne, help finish this uh, or help continue this conversation with me. Am I speaking the language of what problems you're trying to solve? Well, yeah, um, Lucas, I mean, historically speaking, when we, we looked at traditional senior living communities, it was really just those high-end communities that were going to allow future residents to come in and, you know, make choices on cabinetry or countertops or flooring. You know, the mid to lower end market, we're really just buying as is. This is what you get, accept it or not. But you're right, the landscape is changing. And the seniors that are moving into communities today don't fit that same mold that they did 15, 20 years ago. Today's baby boomer generation is really looking at how do I make not just this community personalized to my style and taste, but my home or my future residence personalized to my style and taste. And that flows through in, you know, what we see on HGTV today, even with cabinets, countertops, renovations, all of that. Well, you guys, so I got to interrupt here for just a minute because I know y'all are about to geek out on all this customization, but, you know, sitting here with my operator hat on, I want customization for the residents, right? You want to be able to make them super happy. But when I start thinking about customization for all these residents and all these communities, I mean, it seems like that becomes potentially my worst nightmare so you know what I really wanted wanted to know is answers for how we going to work together to make this happen when I'm just trying to staff my community (laughs) so what kind of answers do you have for me Suzanne yeah I think part of it Josh comes down to language right when we use the term customization 
it sounds like we're taking down walls, we're putting in, you know, second stories, things like that. We like to use the term personalizations, right? So when we can define a personalized process and we can define a menu, that still allows for choice, right? So the, to, to chunk it up basically is first we define a menu of, of how you can personalize. It might be flooring and paint for some communities, right? So we'll keep it tight and we'll just offer flooring and paint. But for some communities that menu expands to offer a set of standard choices and upgrades really. When we talk about the term customizing really, that goes kind of the next layer above and beyond. And those things can still be managed effectively if they're discussed and identified upfront on what's gonna be allowed and what cannot be allowed. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think um, one of the things that you touched on is times are changing. The demographic is changing. I think we've been able to get away with for years not having to personalize, which I love that um, term a lot better than customize, but to personalize uh, not only the services, but the environments um, that our, our residents, uh, our clients, our, our members are going to be living. But I do think, uh, I, I believe you, that that is already starting to change. And to have a system and a team in place uh, to personalize uh, the environments and the care for our residents is super important. So um, talk to me about how how a community, we've got a huge diverse audience with every kind of community out there you can imagine in senior living, but it seems like it's more about strategy and team composition to figure out how to put this in place in someone's community. How do, how do you go about that? Yeah, really to get started is we, we travel down to the core. And it's about the resident and it's about their experience in this journey as they make a huge decision, even just to move into the community. Right. So they may be coming from a home that they have lived in for 25 years, have built on their own, recently renovated. So, number one, it's it's that experience. Right. So how do we start with that journey that they travel on? They spend a lot of time with engagement. Right. And meeting sales and marketing and attending these events. So we take a look at that engagement and how can we continue that momentum and excitement. So it's important for the community to really develop an approach on how they can carry that through all the way to move in. So even if we're just talking unit turns or a brand new construction of uh, an independent living home or unit, um, how do we define that menu up front? And oftentimes it's working with a team of professionals who work in the space to say, here's the look, feel brand that your community wants to carry into the, the residences. Really then it, the next step is how do you communicate with all parties in the team, right? So developing an effective communication plan and how do we document and capture that information? So we build it right the first time. I know Lucas can probably talk to this as well about how, you know, if we don't put in Mrs. Johnson's flooring that she requested and we get it wrong, that takes time and money to fix. So how can we build it right the first time so that when they walk in the door on that move-in day, it's exactly what they expected and they're excited about moving in. So I think to answer that really, Josh, it's, it's about the resident experience and journey, number one. 
So Lucas, uh, this is something you deal with every day. I would imagine these personalizations from a general contractor standpoint can be potentially as much of a logistics nightmare um, as it is for the potential operator. It really is. Um, you know, most of my year is spent uh, on planned CapEx common area renovations. But what most people in the industry don't understand is that unit upgrades, unit turns happen all year long. And it is a big part of the operations of a senior living operator. This is something they have to deal with on a constant basis, not just, oh, we have a renovation project we're going to do this year and it's going to take three, four months and we can plan for it and we're going to do it and we're going to be done and we're good for a long time. These unit renovations are ongoing and it's a consistent thing that, that always comes up. I think that this is an area and a great example where technology is able to come in and be kind of a, a, a game changer for this area in seniors housing where, Suzanne, I'm sure you've seen it. It's on the maintenance director's notepad somewhere. It's in somebody's Excel sheet somewhere and it's inconsistent. Unit 238 doesn't look like unit 328 and the flooring that they use there is now long now it's discontinued and you know there's just a bunch of different things that can come up and how is that tracked and is it up to date and how do we solve these problems and these are the conversations that I see happening um Susanna are are these problems that you have seen and that that you guys are trying to solve as well well yes yeah, certainly we're trying to help teens develop the single source of truth as it relates to a unit renovation or the official place of record where everybody can go in and view that same information. When we look at the process on a unit turn, there's some communities that it's that it can go on for several, several months. So every month that unit is not occupied cost the operator dollars, right? So how can we decrease the number of days it sits vacant and accelerate that move-in date? And that's clearly done by having a, a defined process that the team operates on. Um, I think we're going to see in the industry kind of changes in who that plan operations person is, right? So if it's historically been someone who captures it on paper or in a notebook or in a file, that's going to shift and change where the next generation of plan operators who are overseeing these renovations are going to be used to using more tablet-based technology type of an electronic solution to communicate information with their their vendors and their subcontractors. We're taking a break in our scheduled show to tell you about exciting opportunities for you to be featured on the Bridge the Gap Network. Click on the show notes to schedule your call with Josh and Lucas. Yeah, what he said. So I'm curious, are are you seeing, um, as really, I guess this is a question for you, Suzanne, and maybe even you, Lucas, are you seeing that this is already happening in one sector of senior living and acuity type or is this already starting to be a demand across the country where people are coming in and wanting to be able to personalize their living spaces yeah i mean i i think it's been there for a long time and and people are now starting to explore how do i gain a competitive advantage 
to other communities in their market space, right? It's not just always about incentives anymore. It's like, what can set me apart from the community down the road or you know, a few miles outside of my area? So I, I do see a curiosity uptick on how can we do this and how can we do it good, really? Um, I don't know, Lucas, if you have anything else to add with that. Yeah, well, I, I see uh, this, this is really exciting to me and I'm excited to see that actually a lot of operators I'm familiar with are using this, particularly like you said, in these larger high entry fee um, CCRCs, this is a big deal, right? It's open and available for many of these residents to come in and customize. And to Josh's earlier point, that can just get really chaotic. You know, sometimes it needs to be fenced in somewhat uh, so that, like you said, this isn't a customized, like, you know, we're not going to add a balcony, <laughs> even though you may want it. Uh, we can't add a balcony to the side of the building. Um, but to be able to track that and then manage that, I think that this is a complicated area in the industry that really does need a technology solution similar, you know, like what you guys are offering because there's so many different people that are influencing this decision. This is uh, also involves sales and marketing, which my typical common area, common space renovation, it does not involve sales and marketing because like you said, that unit, that unit being offline is going to impact occupancy, bottom line, and a whole bunch of other things. And so when we're trying to coordinate uh, conversations around a construction project involving unit upgrades or unit turns, it really does take a technology like this to come in and bring everybody together and be that single source solution. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, I think too, you know, from a operator standpoint, really having collaboration in this process. So I'm glad you brought up sales and marketing because they are a critical piece of this because they're really that relationship built with the resident today. You know, residents typically don't have relationships with the general contractor building out their renovated home. So it creates a, a, an opportunity for collaboration amongst various pieces of the team. If you look at a plan ops director, they're overseeing the entire community and campus usually, right? So when you have to deal with four, five, 10 unit turns a month, it doesn't always make the top priority in their day-to-day -day checklist, right? But when we look at the overall budget for the entire campus, it's like number three line item on most expensive spends that they're spending. So I think there is a heightened awareness from leadership to say, how can we do this better with a more streamlined approach? Um, you know, we've, we've gotten to this point, but how do we move forward in the future? So a question, um, I can certainly see that this is an amazing opportunity to build a team for solutions for customization and personalization to use your, your term, which I really like of um, the environments for a new community or perhaps a community that's doing an entire new wing or something like that. Is it a viable uh, position for the operator out there that's like, hey, you know, I've got a, a 10 year old um, or 15 year old community. We just did a massive CapEx uh, spend and upgraded everything. But I would like to begin to really position myself and my community as um, 
being able to personalize to a resident's preferences. And as those units, as those rooms just naturally turn over, is it something that this on just the average length of stay turnovers that it's viable to personalize or is it not economical yet enough of a solution to be able to implement that in an existing community? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think we're, we're talking an inclusion of the existing campuses uh, because those units often can be sold as is. But I think if we can develop a, a, a menu and a process to allow that flexibility to have them personalize, it, it sets it apart just a little bit. And, you know, it, it might not be your personal taste, Josh. You might look at a unit and they've got, you know, cherry cabinets, but that's not your flavor. You like white cabinetry. And so if you're going to be willing to pay for uh, Lucas to come in and renovate that unit so you can have white and Carrera marble and, you know, pretty LVP uh, flooring, then I as a, an operator or community want to allow that because what you're doing is you're upgrading a unit within my campus. So I think certainly, yes, regardless of age, um, there's an opportunity for providers to allow for personalizations. And Josh, well, Josh, I'm going to charge you an arm and a leg when you want me to do that. Trust me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know I get no discounts with you. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hey, let me interrupt just a second. I mean, I mean, just look at, th this is a great point, Suzanne, because just look at the, the world and how things have changed. Look at what people today are just spending to have burritos delivered to their house. It's convenience, it's choice, it's options. I mean, maybe not everybody is going to go ahead and pull out of their pocket for that upgrade, but having that as an option and talking to that adult daughter and saying, mom can make these changes if she wants. And compared to the three other communities that you went in and there are no options, no change options, no personalizations, that might be a game changer just even if she doesn't end up spending it just knowing that she has the option if she wants to can be a big game changer in an environment that's very competitive and occupancy right now is a key, key uh, focus point for people. Yeah. Earlier, I, I want to go back to something we talked about earlier and it's in relationship to um, how, what operators can do to benefit. And I want, I'm going back to, inventory, Josh, you had brought up, you know, a, a kind of a newer campus that recently went through a, an expansion or a renovation. And so we don't necessarily see a lot of turn yet happening. I think by having a, a platform or a process in place, if we can start to build an inventory of what's in all of those units, oftentimes what we have found over the years is that sales and marketing is unsure of what they're selling until that unit is vacated and they walk through the door. What if there was an opportunity to have a place where you could look in and see that, you know, Josh had already upgraded this unit. So when you go to remarket that type of unit, then it's, it's set up already to, to be positioned at a specific price point. Again, it's like, how do you start to build that library of all things within each unit um, that can be accessed throughout the entire team from sales and marketing all the way to plan ops. Well, it seems like this really um, plays well into 
where the industry has been moving over the last several years um, with this whole personalized care approach. Um, and programming's being personalized, wellness programs are being personalized, so it just makes sense that one of our most important spaces, if not the most important spaces, uh, is where the resident will be spending um, a good percentage of their time um, and their home. And so um, I, I love this. I know it's already becoming a demand, and the, and the fact that now, um, the software and technology, we can use that as a tool. We saw through COVID, even the sales process and the marketing process had to completely almost overnight uh, tours go online. So what better way than to leverage technology to be able to personalize your environment for you or your loved one in a senior living community? It seems like, Lucas, this is just making us better as an industry. I totally agree. I think it's time for the industry to put a big, big focus back on these units and in the units and the buildings and the communities that I spend most of my time in, they're all built in the 1990s and there's been very little done to the apartments, to the units. And I will say, uh, coming off that comment, this year, 2022, I have personally had um, exponentially more conversations with operators about unit upgrades than I have in my entire career. So I think that there is a shift. There is something taking place. I don't think that that's uh, just because they're only having the conversation with me. I think that there is a bigger conversation going on right now. It's time to do something in these apartments. And um, I think uh, part of the problem and the challenge over the years, yes, cost has been a key, but it's just been organizing getting processes, workflows. There's just so many challenges and barriers when it comes to upgrading units. And I think that that's been part of the reason that a lot of these units may still remain antiquated and out of date. Um, while their lobbies may be updated, then you walk into these units and they're super, super old. So Suzanne, great conversation. Uh, and I think that uh, this won't be the only time that uh, you'll be on the program. We want to stay connected with you around this conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Fun. And to all of our listeners, you can go to btgvoice.com. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Go Head over to LinkedIn and like and comment on these posts and this topic. We want to hear from you. And thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.